Welcome to A Security Life, the podcast, brought to you by SPT News, Canada's number one source of industry news and information for security installers, dealers, and integrators. You've tuned in to hear compelling conversations on hot topics and industry trends with security professionals and personalities from across Canada. Hi, everyone, and thanks for tuning in for another episode of A Security Life, a podcast brought to you by SPT News, the foremost media source for security and alarm dealers, integrators, resellers, and vendors in Canada. My name is Paul Grossinger, and I am the group publisher of SBT News. Today, I am honored to speak to Richard McMullen. Richard is a partner at FCI in Ottawa and is a former president of Canasta. Over the past several years, I have come to know Richard quite well, and I have been looking forward to this conversation for quite some time. Richard, welcome to A Security Life. Thank you, Paul. I'm uh, really uh, looking forward to our discussion. Great. I guess, first off, times have been a, a bit crazy over the last few few weeks. How are you, your family, and uh, FCI doing during the COVID-19 crisis? Thanks for uh, asking. You know, on the family front, we're uh, doing well. My wife retired at the end of January, so uh, she's been home looking after us. A quite timely uh, situation for us, and I've been mostly working from home. Our FCI team have been uh, sort of keeping up with the social distancing and, and uh, working remotely for the last two months practically now. So, uh, yeah, we're doing well and uh, uh, we're seeing signs of uh, a slow uh, return to uh, the new normal. That's great to hear. Yeah, we're all uh, going through some changes, but it sounds like everyone is doing well. That's great to know. would love to know a little bit about your history in the alarm industry. Yeah, that's like uh, many folks in the security industry. I kind of stumbled into it. Uh, I was a high school student. Both uh, my older brothers uh, worked for a small alarm company back in the uh, early 80s. And I um, was looking for part-time work and uh, got hired as a monitoring station operator, you know, working uh, weekend shifts, Friday late afternoons, and uh, did that for quite a few years until the, the company was sold actually to Honeywell Amplitrol back in around 84. Uh, I worked there for a little bit and then uh, transitioned uh, to uh, an, another small alarm company that also did, you know, security alarm response. The industry and, and the landscape of security piece and alarm piece was much different in those days. So, you know, I had a chance to uh, respond to alarms as a key holder, uh, answer alarms uh, in a monitoring station environment. Uh, it was uh, kind of interesting. And then found myself uh, in sort of 86, 87, Honeywell had bought a, another alarm company here in the city, Universal Alarms, uh, who was one of the founding members, uh, interestingly enough, of uh, Canasa. And I ended up going back there to work in the station uh, and did a whole bunch of different roles and and responsibilities through that. And what was it like in the industry back when you started in terms of the technology, the market? If you could just tell our listeners about what was life like in the alarm industry back then. Yeah, it was totally different. Fewer companies, more uh, focused along the monitoring and the alarm side of things. Uh, Very, very few uh, integration. Video was kind of in its infancy. Uh, We had a few access control sites, again, uh, very sort of rudimentary type offerings and and really site-specific in those days. There was kind of a competitive landscape, but it was was a a healthy sort of competition. Technology was early uh, computer sort of database was just, just starting. When I started the monitoring station, you know, we used things like color tapes, Potter direct wires. Uh, Honeywell had a whole bunch of their own uh, sort of direct wire and, and uh, shared 
uh, monitoring hardware and, and receiving equipment. Uh, when we bought Universal, I think at one point in the monitoring station, we had 14 different types of receiving equipment, uh, all manual with kind of a, a database that we used for customer information, calling lists, but very much a, a manual operation for sure. Yeah, I know uh, technology has definitely changed over the last 20, 30, 40 years in the alarm industry, specifically on the monitoring side. Um, how have you seen that change over the years in terms of not only technology, but how monitoring stations deal with all stakeholders, whether it's uh, users or dealers or even law enforcement? Has that changed at all? Yeah, it's it's uh, definitely changed. Um, you know, if I think back to uh, when I started, most of the accounts that we monitored were financial institutions, commercial properties, some residential, government, uh, fire alarms. You know, on the commercial side, majority of the accounts that we had were on a schedule so that, you know, you had a, a pretty strictly enforced opening window and closing window. So we spent a lot of our time speaking directly to the clients uh, when they came in, you know, outside of their hours, they had to phone, we had to uh, sometimes chase people down. When I started uh, in those early days, uh, there was no alarm bylaws, there were no uh, restrictions, and the technology wasn't really uh, near to where we're, we see it today. So uh, false alarms, for instance, uh, we would sometimes call the local police three or four times a night if we had a an account that was uh, false alarming, for instance, and and they would go, which uh, is uh, obviously unlike anything we see today. When I look back over the last 20 years I've been in the security industry, there are a few milestones and big news stories that stand out to me. Things like 9-11 was a huge impact on the security industry uh, and the influx of big corporations like the Tycos and the Honeywells and the UTCs. When you look back at the, at the last 20, 25 years, are there any milestones or news stories that stand out in your mind in terms of its impact on the Canadian alarm industry? Yeah, 100%. You know, uh, like you, I would think uh, 9-11 was, was probably the biggest event that's uh, uh, impacted the security industry. But when I look back, uh, you know, and, and you pointed out the entry of the large uh, sort of multinationals in this space. You know, as I mentioned earlier, when I started, it was a small independent uh, monitoring company. You know, gradually we started to see Honeywell uh, was, you know, one of the first big players in that sort of shift in the 80s. And, and that carried through the acquisitions and, and mergers. And, you know, even within uh, Honeywell, for instance, you know, when I started, we had, I think, 13 different uh, monitoring centers basically from coast to coast and and that generally got scaled back over the years so I think from a, a specific thing I think uh, 9-11 but I think from a generally shifting pattern I, I would say that the large multinationals uh, entering into the space and kind of uh, scooping up all of those small independent and then the migration away from local monitoring to uh, these big wholesale monitoring that we see today. From a technology side of things, is there any technology that sticks out in your mind that were difference makers or game changers for the alarm and security industry? Yeah, I, I, I think the sort of evolution of the personal computer, when I think back of, you know, when I started, we had a, a typewriter, we would uh, update calling lists uh, in, in a card format. And then gradually we sort of migrated into the computer age 
uh, with very rudimentary software. But if I look at today with even like the phone technology and, and ability to have apps and text messaging and all these kinds of things, it's really been a, a revolution uh, in terms of the technology and, and what that's done for uh, the consumer and for the company. You know, uh, when I started, uh, sometimes in the Honeywell days, we'd have 17 people working on a shift in a pretty small space, monitoring uh, what now can be managed very well by one or two operators. So uh, technology has really evolved from that perspective. We started to uh, get to know each other a little bit uh, during your time as president of Canasa. And um, just wanted to touch upon your time. I know you're, you're still involved in the association. Just want to reflect a little bit back about what you think your biggest challenge was at the time uh, as president of Canasa, and maybe what are some of the uh, the biggest accomplishments you might be most proud of while you were president of Canasa? Yeah, that's a great uh, sort of chapter for me. I, I enjoyed my time at Canasa immensely. Uh, as you know, it's a volunteer role, so it's a, a time commitment uh, to juggle the responsibilities. I was happy to do it. Uh, you know, I believe in the industry. I uh, always believed in the industry. It's what's put a roof over our heads and helped put our kids through school and, uh, you know, food on our table. So I believe in giving back. I enjoyed my time. I served uh, a few terms uh, as uh, president of our local Ottawa chapter uh, back in the day and then found myself on the Ontario board and found myself uh, president of uh, the Ontario board found myself on the national board as a board member and uh, then was voted in as uh, president. Some of the challenging things uh, through my term as president, J.F. Champagne, who was kind of instrumental in Canasa uh, in those days, resigned and moved on to take a, another executive director position uh, with a, another industry. So that was a challenge. Uh, and, you know, having to uh, recruit a new executive director, uh, we had some challenges around that. In terms of accomplishments, uh, you know, I think the focus on the members uh, was something that we did, uh, trying to move the industry forward. Uh, obviously, bringing in somebody like Patrick Straw, who's been our executive director now for a little over three years, uh, I think has been an awesome sort of accomplishment. And, you know, on, on the personal front, getting to know some of the industry stakeholders uh, and sort of leaders from coast to coast was really a pleasant experience for me that, uh, you know, something I'm always going to cherish. To shift gears a little bit, I know uh, you're also heavily involved in the uh, the Crime Stopper movement in Ottawa. And just want to touch base with you, sort of, what's the connection in your mind between the security industry and Crime Stoppers? Well, uh, that's a, a great uh, question, and there is a, a, a strong link uh, between uh, crime stoppers, uh, law enforcement partners, uh, and the security industry. It was uh, interesting. I happened to be at a, a Canasa event uh, representing Canasa a little over eight years ago now, and we happened to be sitting at a table uh, with some of the crime stoppers uh, folks uh, from here in, in Ottawa. And I can tell you, you know, I've been involved a little bit attending uh, and supporting golf tournaments over the years through uh, some associations that I had with Crime Stoppers, but never really involved. And uh, I got sort of challenged. They were having some financial difficulties. It's a not-for-profit run totally by volunteers uh, and does really good work. So they had introduced me to that. And at the time, I can tell you, you know, I had a business to help run. I had a a wife who was working shift work. I had two kids uh, in school. I thought I was volunteering with uh, Canasa 
and being a good sort of civic contributor. And uh, I got led into the uh, Crime Stoppers world, uh, which I'm very thankful for. I served uh, as a board member for uh, almost a year and then uh, was voted in as president of our Crime Stoppers program here. And that's a, a role I've held for uh, seven years now. I've got two more years left in my uh, term. And, you know, it, it's been a great opportunity to network and and contribute and give back. You know, I, I look at the good work that Crime Stoppers does in the community. And uh, it's it's been nice to see. And uh, it's been nice to see the support from a lot of my competitors here in the, the region and different suppliers and, and folks that have helped us, uh, whether it's through donations or attending our golf tournaments, those kind of things. It's a great organization and one that I'm happy to, uh, to lead. We talked a little bit about the uh, success stories in this industry and some of the big milestones within the industry. Just to flip that a little bit, is there anything that worries you about the current state of the security alarm industry? I think some of the concerns uh, that I see is uh, some of the lack of training, uh, and I hate to say almost a lack of of professionalism in a lot of regard. You know, I I see some of the quick solutions that uh, some folks are, are trying to uh, deploy and, and they may not be the best solutions for the client. So, you know, that's troublesome. And I, I think sometimes that lack of support and commitment and uh, that follow through on installation and service, that would be a concern. And on the business side, I, I think uh, while we don't do much uh, of any small business or residential at FCI, uh, I, would, I would worry about uh, what that landscape looks like uh, moving forward especially given our our current economic uh, circumstances. And with that being said, uh, given your experience uh, in the industry, uh, in monitoring and in integration and so forth, um, what advice do you have to some of the independent alarm and security companies out there that are uh, trying to make it a go uh, in this industry and and maybe suffering some tough times in the crisis we're in? You know, I think... uh, hunker down and uh, do the best that you can learn. You know, uh, being a a lifelong learner is something that uh, is instrumental in evolving uh, in this industry. You know, when I think back, I came in at a really pivotal time when we were going from that sort of uh, manual monitoring station, automation was just starting to come in, you know, zones for anyone in the alarm industry to know in the old days, we'd have a, a factory or a school or a warehouse, and we'd have maybe one or two alarm identifiable zones with you know, dozens of devices uh, that weren't the most false alarm friendly. And so now the technology has evolved so that we have multiple zones and, and where the industry goes from here is going to be interesting. So learning and keeping up with technology and focus on the client. And if you can deliver uh, exceptional personal service, clients will keep supporting you for many, many years. And that's been my experience. Do uh, the best you can and uh, treat the clients especially well, and and they'll continue to treat you well. Richard, that is uh, some great advice. And I I really appreciate you joining us today. Uh, I always love our conversations, and I know our audience will find your industry insights and experiences educational and entertaining. Please stay tuned for future episodes of A Security Life brought to you by SBT News. Uh, please check out sbtnews.ca to hear archived versions of our new podcast and to stay up to date on the latest industry news. Uh, thank you again, Richard, and uh, stay safe. Thanks, Paul. I appreciate it.
Thank you for joining us, Security Life, the podcast brought to you by SPT News, Canada's number one source of industry news and information for security installers, dealers, and integrators. Visit sptnews.ca for more episodes.